Come one, come all to the After Dark Podcast. The podcast in which Sheriff Anthony does his best to wrangle Conrad through Westworld, one doggone episode at a time. So kick back and grab yourself some Apple Jack, or some Adam's Ale if that's your preferred poison, and get ready for these two wannabe cowboys to ramble the night away. Music is provided by the fantastic Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James and that's Conrad. Hello! Well, Conrad, we're here! Finally, at the end of the first season. We've made The last good episode of Westworld, according to everyone on the planet. What do you think? What a shame. What a shame (laughs) that we're never going to enjoy Westworld ever again after this. Um... (laughs) Uh, it was it's a good way to go out if it is the way that it's going out it, it went out with a bang uh multiple bangs in fact in the back Ooh. of multiple people's heads so <laughs> like we'll <laughs> well it, it, it certainly left left uh left our screens emphatically i'll say that much for it yeah and guys this is a huge episode like this is an hour and a half long so we're probably just gonna get straight into it here um There'll be banter along the way, don't worry about that. But uh, we're also going to, um, just for anyone who's a Conrad Theory Matrix fan, the Theory Matrix will be covered next week uh, after, in, in the in the um, the roundup, we're going to do the Theory Matrix, because I think with this such being such a long episode, uh, we're just going to try and sort of separate those out. That makes sense, Conrad? Yes, that all sounds perfectly reasonable to me. All right, okay, let's get into it then. Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! The finale of season one of Westworld begins with Arnold creating Dolores, and you can see all the insides of her, how she works and all. Yeah, she looks like a carbon fiber bike. She's made of made of like <laughs> netted fibers. Uh, it's it's a very cool design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool as well. Just like sort of nice to get it, but I, it's also. It's interesting, like, when I first saw this, I was a bit of an idiot, because I was like, oh, so she's only got skin on that part of her? But obviously, no, like, you know, they have to be ready for them to potentially, like, have sex with people and stuff, so she they just haven't put the rest of her skin on yet. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're getting, so the, the, the vulva and vagina are in the, in the shop, the special lab being designed for the people who want to treat her like a sex bot. Um, yeah. I will say for this that uh this is a show with very very good practical and special effects i assume it's quite a lot of these are are, are practical but um mm. the animation here uh, like obviously this bit isn't isn't a practical effect i don't think but the animation here looked amazing uh it was when she turned around in the seat yeah oh, yeah yes. it was it was real top top shelf uh animation work here uh which i was i was very very into and surprised I mean, I know it's HBO, so obviously they have mm-hmm. a high budget, and they're they're used to making like prestige television. But even by HBO standards, this was unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, like it, it's, 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 sometimes you see animation that's so smooth and just works so well. Like when she turned around on the, on that thing and sat down, it just looks so smooth. It was just it's almost like tickle tickle tickles my uh, my heart. I don't know why. I'm just like, oh my god, that's so great. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just felt. I'm gra- I'm glad you mentioned that actually. Hmm. Uh, so as with all. <laughs> bad guys who uh capture the the damsel she's shaving him so the man in black's getting a nice close yep. shave Classic. uh from dolores um now okay so conrad and i spoke before we started this there's so much in this episode to go through it chronologically perfectly we'll go through chronologically but we're gonna have big conversations maybe at the end mm. and if there's anything we notice along the way that'd be great um 
first of all, though, I thought we can maybe talk about this prior to reveal Man in Black part of the episode. So, sure. um, he there's there's moments here where that there's a kind of there's a, there's a number of power dynamics in this episode going on. There's a power dynamic with um with these two. There's yep. definitely a power dynamic with Charlotte Hale and Ford as well oh, later on, which we yep. can talk about. Yeah. Um, but the, there's a there's a strange thing here because at this point are you watching the show like knowing this is william in your mind like you you had the theory obviously but yeah did you know so much so that you even when you see man of black you think william yeah i think uh, by the by this point that was pretty much nailed on i think the photo in the previous episode mm. was all the confirmation i needed to be like yeah okay that's definitely william and that they're gonna I, I i actually have in my notes later on in this episode get to the william reveal right we all know it's coming come on <laughs> um but uh but in my own mind watching this um it's interesting that she like i think dolores says that she's like kind of always been obsessed with this place i.e the center of the maze and this kind of town yeah. that is there and it's interesting that it might have been william i, I guess actually by the end of this we know it's not really william because it existed before william but mm-hmm. uh, william certainly helped to like fertilize and grow the seed of, of fascination in um in Dolores's mind with this place with the, the the plot line we see with them together when they were young or when he was younger uh so it's cool to have this this return to their relationship at kind of the other end of it um yeah. and see how they have changed uh, or not changed really in Dolores's case I don't think she's she doesn't strike me as that different across all of her timelines which i think is one of the smarter choices they made because it it means that throughout the series it's quite difficult to tell Mm -hmm. which version of dolores you're actually seeing uh which is which is helpful for keeping keeping things a mystery whereas um william slash the man in black definitely has changed uh between uh between when we first saw him and uh and where we see it now The, the the one other thing i will say for this as well is that it's a bit of a cast-off comment, and it might be nothing. But um, William says that Ford has dug it up again, in the town, implying that he's mm-hmm. dug it up yeah. more than once. <laughs> so, like, oh, uh, yeah, how many yeah. times has he buried and dug this up? <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I don't actually think it's more than one, but yeah, oh, okay. I, I like I, I like, I like that. that, that as, soon, as soon as he said that, I was like, wait, so did he... The stuff that happens in this episode happens. He buries it, and then like six months later, it's like, ah, fuck! I left my keys in there, and he has to dig it up, <laughs> dig it up again. See, I actually, I actually think it's even funnier than that. Like the idea is like William, like his mind, and I now I can say William. Yes, everyone in the comments, I did actually slip one, one or two times. I cannot believe that Conrad didn't pick it up. I'm, I'm going to interject here. I can hear you in the comments saying, "Oh, comrade, comrade didn't guess it. He 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 took he secretly took that knowledge, pretended he yeah. didn't hear it, and used it to inform his theory." How dare you? <laughs> How dare you imply that? Well, right? It's fun. It's funny, you know, because that particular um, slip. I think it was in episode eight, potentially. Yeah, seven or eight. I think when I slipped that time. Um, and now, obviously, that's what makes sense to you. Yeah, people don't realize that Conrad has his theories before we start recording the podcast. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like all... coming up with them on the fly. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all written down. Don't worry. Like, I think some people were calling for an Inquisition. Maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe in the future. Listen, my um, hands are clean. My hands are clean on this one. I swear to God. Like, uh, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony told me to go back and listen to that episode after I finished uh, finished episode ten of Westworld to see what the slip up was. And then I read some of the comments. And I'm not going to name names, but some of you need to have a little bit more faith in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I personally, to be quite honest with you, um, 
I can't believe that I slept. I slept up twice actually earlier in the season as well. There's something I don't know what it is. Like I think it's just so how well done the transition of William into this into Man in Black is that mm. this cat both characters are William to me. It's kind of like um like I'm not gonna lie to you. It was really hard in season one of Dark uh, not to say a particular. I'm not gonna say who it is, but a particular character was Jonas. Um, mm. Uh, I, I found that very, very, very difficult because both of those actors are Jonas to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I've left that sort of semi-unspoilery, but um, most people <clears throat> listening to this have seen Dark. Let's be honest. But yeah. But but yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I slipped up. Sorry, guys. Um, I I I I'll, I'll learn from that, which I don't actually. No, I won't learn from that. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dark's the only one I could do it with. I don't know why. But anyway, okay. So. Great, great reveal. We'll talk a little bit more about the mm-hmm. reveal later. But what I want to talk about is Teddy finally just, like, giving in. He, ri- he rides into town just like normal, bumps shoulders with a fella, and just, just shoots him dead. So I, I've got a question here. I, I'm, this might be completely wrong, but is this moment with Teddy shooting this guy, is this the early morning shooting that we have seen over the corner of Maeve's shoulder every time she's woken up? No. But that's okay. a great that's a great idea though. Because it um, suddenly struck me. I was like, "Fuck!" Was that Teddy just shooting this guy every time we saw this, and I just didn't notice? But I, I mean, because it seems it's it's a similar kind of distance between them. I think they're similarly dressed. I mean, let's be honest; they're all dressed as cowboys. It's hard to tell them apart. But um, that was my thought when I first watched this. But even if it's not, yeah, great to see Teddy just be like, "Nah, fuck off!" And just, yeah, like, no, I, I think I thing. think it would sort of. It would be cool if that was the case, but I think it, it sort of takes away from this moment for Teddy. Like mm. he's like he's 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 exiting his loop as soon as he's off the train. Yeah, kills someone, and, he's, and then he just runs to the train and is like, you know what, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yes, I actually will say I was I was actually on a train of thought. No pun intended. I was on a train of thought with with uh, with William earlier. I don't know why I stopped set, stopped. It was about the reveal. I just got distracted. But I was going to say about the town being buried again. Right mm. in my mind, it's funnier than for just digging it up all the times it's because it implies that william actually thinks that like all towns are like earth come from the earth yeah you know, because like yeah they grow it, it was originally <laughs> yeah it was like it was originally buried before it was even existed it was buried and then when well, they dug it up and then it was there yeah and now it's buried again and they dig it up again so yeah. that's how like because he was implying that it, it didn't used to be dug it didn't used to be covered in dirt so there he used the word again, I mean, which implies it originally was. William is a man of science. He's not a man of history. So maybe he doesn't understand that ruins don't look like Western American towns. <laughs> like maybe, maybe he thinks this is like a Native American ruin or, or like or like an Inca ruin or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, okay, so we get like sort of a little flashback now. Uh, because hmm. we've got um, the man in black, which is William, I can say that safely now, and Dolores sort of walking out uh, and having a chat throughout the chapel. Mm. Um, we now have the sort of symmetry going on between her chats with Arnold, and then we sort of get them walking out to a gravestone. Conrad, whose gravestone was it? Uh, it was it was Dolores' own gravestone, I believe. Oh. Uh, well, it all certainly said the name Dolores on it, I think. Um, yeah, Dolores Abernathy was on it, and she digs up uh, the little maze. Now, Conrad, question for you. Now, we would have to get into all the details here. Well, we, that's what this podcast is for, actually. But question for you. Do you kind of understand what the maze is now? Um, well, so sort of. It is a bit nebulous, I will say. Like, okay, I mean, so I'll say, <clears throat> I just want to say first, lovely little reference I felt to the good, the bad, and the ugly with the gravestone with something hidden in it, um, oh, which yeah, I was yeah. very much into. I, I was, um, when, when she first found the... The, the actual maze 
item itself. I was kind of in my head making very smarmy jokes like, oh, it looks like just like one of those toys that a kid plays with to get the marble through. I think, in fact, that's a joke I've made before on the podcast. And wouldn't you know it, blow me down. <laughs> not, not, not half an hour later, they ruin the joke by confirming that that is, in fact, what it is. Um, but, but, I mean, in terms of, like, what it represents, I mean, the pattern of its... I, I, it's it's weird because obviously he's got uh, Arnold has his triangle of consciousness and he kind of loops it all together when he's explaining to to mm-hmm. Dolores how consciousness kind of works and how you, you look have to at, inward not yeah, outward you have to like them. navigate these uh, these layers inward to find to find true consciousness and the pattern that he draws is not identical to but pretty similar to the pattern in the toy uh that his mm-hmm. that his now now dead son had now i don't know if that's just like a production design decision like to be like oh it'd be cool if the pattern in this kind of mimics the pattern that his theory uh his theory kind of latches onto well they said the toy gave him the idea so that's sort oh of, okay yeah that's it i mean that's that I and mean, that seems kind of throwaway to me to be honest because you know it's just a toy but i think it's it works as a kind of like visual representation of of what his his idea about kind of navigating your way to consciousness is but as you say it does it's kind of nebulous not in a bad way but it's it it, it, i feel like the 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 artifact at the center of the maze could kind of be anything really it doesn't Mm. really matter because it's about going through the process of finding it rather than actually what you do when you find it yeah, to be honest with you, the fact that it is a maze with a ball in it means that, like, I think the first time I watched this, I was kind of like, okay, that's a bit nebulous. But then I was like, hang on, does it actually mean that only sentient and, like, people with consciousness can get the ball to the center? <laughs> That'd be but, great. Uh, but, like, that's, that's, yeah, exactly, can you imagine? I can tell you that, right, I do not have sentience, if that's true, because I could never do these, these, uh, <laughs> these maze puzzles. Oh god, that's hilarious! I was just used to turn uh, them upside down. Get the ones with like the clear plastic on the top, turn it upside down, and like navigate it like that, rather than doing the actual maze part. <laughs> now we're thinking. Now we're thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So we get we get some um, some stuff like Dolores says to uh, the man in black here now, like you know you'll never win or whatever. I've got someone coming for me now. At that oh. point, I'm assuming the man in black thought that Dolores was talking about uh, Teddy. Um, you know, because he didn't actually. Mm. It's not till later we get the reveal that this is William, obviously, and like you know, he starts laughing at her about it. But, but I think that he he probably just assumed, oh, she just thinks like because she always talks about how Teddy's going to take her here and take her there. You know, that's in interesting line. actually, because I I took that as her referring to William, but I guess Teddy does make more sense. No, 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 no. She is she is referring to William, uh, but, but I'm but saying I've... what William thinks. Yeah, obviously he's not thinking that she's talking about him from thirty years ago. Well, I, I actually did think that, but I think Teddy makes a lot more sense um, in the context mm-hmm. of that because because when uh, when she says that and then and then William oh, or the Man in Black kind of smiles wryly, I was like, that's good, but at the same time, I don't I don't see how any like I feel like at this point, it I don't see how anyone in the audience could like miss that Dolores in in the Man in Black's world like isn't stabbed even though they're wearing the same outfit, so it felt a bit on the nose for her to be saying that directly directly to him um but then actually if i take a step back from that and like okay she was she was talking about william but he's interpreting it as teddy that actually makes a lot more sense in in or it is a lot less on the nose in terms of where yeah. the where their relationship is actually going which is really interesting because of what actually happens <laughs> because uh teddy does indeed come yeah and yeah f- fulfill his destiny uh, I, I will I, I mean i i know we'll, we'll probably come back to this but i just want to say the moment where he lashes out at her is is um 
is a great moment because it really kind of shows mm-hmm. the um the duplicity of his relationship with her where it's it's never really been about her it's always been about how she makes him feel mm-hmm. um and uh, as well the 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 way that she remembers william again again this might not be uh, actually no so we've said that you think dolores is talking about william when she says someone's coming for me um and it, oh, it, yes she is because then yeah. like because then later on she says you know uh you know william's gonna save me yeah it's just that there's no reason for the man in black to think she she yeah. remembers him. But yeah. I think the fact that she remembers William quite vividly from something that happened 30 mm-hmm. odd years ago uh, to, to me shows there is a genuine connection between her and him. Um, yeah. And also ask some interesting questions about how their memories uh, kind of carry across their lives because you know she's been wiped you know hundreds thousands of times probably in the last 30 years and yet she still remembers william um which is mm-hmm. which I, I think says something about the the depth of of her feelings for him yeah i also think it i think also think like she remembers the things she did when she was on this road yeah, like when she's on yeah. she's out of her loop she starts remembering the things that she was out of her loop doing um we get a return of the gun Yes. From the, from like the second episode or whatever. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Um, and it was given to her by Arnold. Um, and we do see now that actually the Teddy in the sheriff uniform is the one who's actually doing this stuff, um, not in the military uniform, like was sort of put into his brain. Yeah. And he, and they're shooting up the town. Um, what did you like? What did you like about this uh, this so, sort of gun reveal? I mean, the the gun. Uh, to be honest, the gun reveal was the least interesting part of this. To be honest, because mm-hmm. I don't know the gun reveal. I feel like that's not really been necessary. Like it, it could, they didn't like the the sort of ch- planting of the Chekhov's gun and then the return here. It's not like some big reveal because it could just be like they've they've found ways to hurt um, because they found ways to hurt people already in this show. The idea of her having a real gun that can actually hurt people. Um, my or, interpretation of it, which actually just as you speak, in is coming to my mind. You know how at the start of the show she had it in her drawer. She took it. Oh, she, she took it out of the ground. Whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, I think she took it out of her drawer. Yeah. Or she, yes. Yeah. So, like, anyway, my idea is that like that was actually one of the, the original things that was like sparking her to go down the path again to to lead her to where she yeah, is in this episode. It, it could be. Yeah. So Ford Ford might have planted that. You know, Ford Ford might have planted that to get her out of her loop. You know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's always there. Maybe it's always like the, mm-hmm. the part of resetting Dolores's loop is putting the gun there for her to find uh, mm, to maybe. Um, to to start the loop. But I think as a narrative device, I didn't really care about it by this point because I was like, well, obviously okay. Dolores is going to kill some people. But the actual scene itself. It plays brilliantly into both like the, tro- the the kind of tropes of their backstory. So Teddy like shooting a bunch of people and then being like, "How could I have done this?" And it's and it, <laughs> and, it, and not being able to like square away his actions with how he sees himself um, at the moment is fantastic because it kind of plays brilliantly into that dark backstory that we know that he doesn't actually have. But <laughs> but but in a in a kind of like, ironic turn of events, he actually does have some really dark shit in his past. He just doesn't remember <laughs> yeah. it because it's not part of his backstory, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, also like what's your understanding of Wyatt in this whole thing now so I think Wyatt is just superimposed over the top of all of this like it's basically it's it's taking the memories that Teddy and Dolores have which by the way we're not getting to the theory matrix this week but i did say in that i don't think either of them were involved in this shootout turns out they were both involved in this shootout (laughs) so i was completely wrong but um i think the the whole Wyatt storyline is 
at least as far as Teddy and Dolores are concerned, is this massacre happened because of the stuff that goes on with Arnold and, and kind of the, the instructions that they receive. And all the Wyatt storyline is, is doing is putting a kind of... Uh, a, a like theatrical veneer over the top of it to say mm. oh there was this guy who was you know orchestrating everything and he did the massacre and, and it's literally just kind of touching up the scene to make Teddy and Dolores not the not the perpetrators but simply uh, witnesses of it which I think is brilliant as well because it, mm. it, it totally jives with what we've seen previously about how they just kind of tweak actual memories they have to turn them into into new narratives and storylines yep yep awesome was there anything else you wanted to mention about this uh, sort of uh scene with uh the man in black and dolores prior to uh reveal uh no i think that's pretty much everything for the moment on this i think okay okay uh awesome so we did get a little shot of uh william uh young william now uh, we'll try and say man in black for the, for the audio listeners whenever we're talking about old william still just just so you sort of can see in the picture in your mind but yeah old william bill. is we'll call him old bill <laughs> old bill yeah old bill yeah that's that's great um all right um <laughs> I, I my my mind straight i don't know why this guy's an old bill cock block that's what we'll call him <laughs> there you go um, right Someone put it That's in the. It. Someone put it in IMDb. That's the character's yeah, name yeah. now. Yeah, you can take it. Um, so okay, well, and Al oh, oh, Lazo's back too. So the, this, the well, yeah, this is so weird. Like <laughs> getting Lawrence back and Al Lazo back for this. Like, why is this just him getting a payday? Like, come on, back in. <laughs> like, get yourself, yeah, yeah. get yourself on set, and we'll 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 slip you in here. Yeah, well, he was a big part of the season, so I don't mind it too. He much. was, yeah. It also does, it makes sense as well for William to go and get him and try, like, you know, for a bit of information and stuff. I mean, the slow reveal of the camera moving across to then see Logan behind. This is like a, a classic example of like two characters, one character remaining stationary in terms of their morality and one character starts off on one end of the spectrum and kind of moves to the other side and like shifts past the character and using that kind of character, in this case Logan, as like a benchmark for determining when when the other character has gone too far because Logan by the end of this episode is like, listen, I'm into some weird shit but like this is fucked up what you're doing Yeah, There's a moment wherever uh, whenever William like stabs a a confederate that he's already shot yeah and logan's like Jesus. <laughs> yeah that's great i made me burst out laughing that moment it's like if logan thinks you've gone too far that's a good sign that you need to chill out william oh my god unbelievable uh right okay lee sizemore lee sizemore is here bless He's him. back good on him he had to have some sort of thing i i i'm gonna say this uh right up front i think the uh the some of the dialogue between lee sizemore and charlotte is some of the most unintentionally funny dialogue I have ever, on a rewatch, I have ever heard. Like, once you know what's going to happen at the end of this episode, those two are like the whole way through scheming away, saying, yeah, you're, you're going to be in charge of this storyline, don't you worry about that. <laughs> like, it's just so funny watching this. Like, they're so confident. But I mean, even, even I mean, I, to be honest, the, the, the ending and like the kind of culmination of Ford's new narrative took me completely by surprise at the end of this. Didn't see that coming at all. But even without that context... It's so obvious that Lee is being completely manipulated here. It's like, come <laughs> on, Lee! Like you need that. You're obviously this. You are not going to be the star of this show. I don't know how much clearer anyone can make 
I know it is funny, but like every single time it goes to them, every single time, like Charlotte is so confident, like she's like real, real hubris about her in this, you know, um, so great, so great. Mm. Um, okay, well, that will come back later. Uh, now, Maeve has got a brand new body. It makes sense now, Conrad. I can't believe I'm an idiot. I've seen this show a couple of times. Of course, she had to burn herself to death. Of course, because she needed to get rid of her whole body. Um, yeah. So they can recreate it without the... Which, which uh, vertebrae was it? I don't know. C6 the explodey one. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, explodey vertebrae. Get that out of there. Um, she's back. She's back and better than ever. And yep. better than ever. She's back. And she's <laughs> like like she's wont to do. Grab Felix's tablet and make a few changes. Yeah, I, I this is this is the moment where she like turns off a bunch of security for other hosts in the park, and mm-hmm. I immediately was put in my well. First off, I was immediately reminded that Michael Crichton wrote the original. Uh, uh, I think it's a book or screenplay that this is based on, and I was immediately then reminded of the Muldoon character in Jurassic Park going, "There's nothing wrong with the raptor fences, is there?" Because because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is this is this is her turning off the T Rex fences. She's letting them out. <laughs> that is great. She's, um, the Dennis, I, she's the Dennis Nedry of uh, of Westworld. Isn't that isn't that funny that Crichton just loves a park? It's so oh, weird. Like. Yeah, he cannot do without a park. Like he needs <laughs> he needs a park with dangerous animals or or otherwise kind of subdued beings in it. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I will say actually, but we skipped over this little detail. Is it is it believable that Sylvester? would remake her body when she's burnt to death like yeah. what wh- he's wanted out of this from the start why is he remaking this body that like i mean so i i, I went i went two ways on this plot line this is I, i've made no i've made no kind of um bones about it this is my least favorite plot line of the entire show so far because it's stupid um i get that where this narrative goes which maybe we'll talk about a bit a bit later where with where there is someone kind of pre uh, has pre-written Maeve's escape. It's it's essentially preordained that this is going to happen, which I assume is probably Ford, given everything else that has gone on. Um, I get that you can kind of explain away a lot of this with them, um, w- w- with that with that knowledge. What you can't explain away is Felix and Sylvester's behaviour, who are completely ignorant of that and wouldn't behave the way they behaved. They literally, by by the two-thirds point in this episode, they literally start a robot uprising because they're worried they'll get fired if they don't keep quiet. Yeah. And it's just like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it's just like, she's a skeleton! She's not yeah. gonna hurt you! <laughs> like, she's, like, she's literally just what? bones. What's he gonna? What's he worried about? Like every tablet he ever buys for now, will have Maeve as a virus on it. Like, yeah, why does exactly. he care? She's not. She doesn't have a body. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. I I I walked back some of my criticisms of this plotline by the end of this episode because of that reveal that it's kind of pre-written and there's some uh, you know there's some of the yeah. security lapses. I was like, okay, uh, fair enough. I can I can explain that. But Felix and Sylvester, they are badly written characters, and I and. I, they need to go. All I'm going to say for Westworld is they need to have a serious review of their hiring practices for the chop shop because we get some characters in this chop shop later in this episode. And my word, <laughs> they <laughs> just bat, going from out of the frying frying pan and into the fire as far as characters. In this I mean, scene. that's what we've always said. Felix and Sylvester might be might be really bad, but that guy who who loves loves Hector is not really. Like, he's probably the worst of the worst. But yeah. Okay, so I think that's pretty funny, actually. Uh, Sylvester, Felix, I think, 
is infatuated with Maeve. I think I can see that. Um, yeah, that's true. But, Felix, I can kind of excuse. I think I think Felix has sort of got the same relationship with Maeve that William has with Dolores. Having said that, there's been way less development put into it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so, that's fair. But Sylvester, who's been trying to stab them in the back from the start, having a Maeve with no body and then building her body, like. At, all we needed maybe is her is Maeve just to, to warn him the episode before saying, and don't worry, I will still be about. If you do this, I'll be able to do this. You know, so there had to be something. Like, what was the stakes here? There was no stakes. Anyway, there we go. Yeah. So she brings back uh, Hector and Snake Lady back online. Yep. Um, they 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 are being worked on by the sort of typical employee of the chop shop, which seems to be exclusively perverts. Um, yep. Uh, in the business, we call these guys jobbers. That's what these guys are. <laughs> they're, they're, these guys existed to job to Hector and the Snake Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they hold, Hector and the Snake Lady were going over here every day of the week. Oh, yeah, this they put them over big time <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> so we've got, uh, first of all, uh, well, I'm, Earphones guy obviously likes a bit of Hector, but I will say he's not that, he's not, he's actually quite smart, this boy. Um, and let me tell you why. I'm, I don't mean to critique uh, a sexual abuser. Well, he's, it's a robot, but you know, you know what I mean? Sexual abuser's uh, way to go, <laughs> way to go about this. Mm. But he was warned by, um, by, who warned him? I can't even remember uh, her name. Elsie, she's right? been, yeah, Elsie, yeah, because yeah. she's been dead so long. I can't remember. Well, you or know, has she? De- dead, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but he was warned that like the sexual the sexual encounters are, are monitored. So instead of actually using it as a sex doll this time, he's just like feeling his chest while servicing himself. Did you notice that? Yeah, but I also feel like that still counts as a sexual encounter, right? Like, <laughs> like but, I mean, maybe. But, not but, in but would Hector register it though? I think he's trying to not like it might like he might be just so stupid that this is going to be registered <laughs> registered too. Yeah. But I think he's trying to avoid it being registered. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like he he just can't. He just can't quit Hector, unfortunately. <laughs> like, so he's trying to work around the monitoring systems, which you know, I've I've worked in call centers before. I've I've had to learn to work around some annoying systems in myself, so I understand it. Yeah, yeah, not not to do the same sort of activities, but yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, that's true. Um, so bite of the finger. Uh, Snake oh. Lady bites the finger off. Yep. Uh, of this. So uh, yeah, it's funny actually. Is it a prerequisite for being cast as a? Uh, as one of these hosts that you have to have really good teeth. Because... They do all have great teeth. Yeah, that mm. is true. Uh, look, it seems that Americans in general have unbelievable teeth. 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 Uh, yeah. um, unbelievable teeth. Whereas, like, over in this part of the world, if, if like if your teeth are healthy and not falling out, you don't do anything to them. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Whereas everyone's got, like, these perfect teeth. It's it's unbelievable. I like, mean, all know. the better to, to uh, bite off someone's finger with. That's the real... Uh, that, like, she's got the sharpest incisors you've ever seen. Yeah, I know. Like, she's, biting, she, she's biting the finger off with the wrong teeth. That's all we'll say. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> The blood oh, ones at the back. It doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. Like, her, his finger is, like, in the back of her mouth. It's like, what, you're chopping it off with your molars? Like, what's going yeah. on here? And then, so, then someone might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, she she might have just, like, you know, chopped it off with her incisors at the front. But that can't be true either because it's only the tip that comes off. This is poor writing. If yeah, seen it. yeah that, this is... Uh, it's classic... Um, they they didn't want to do like any kind of special effects, so they just got him to do like that with his finger, <laughs> like and shot it from the sides. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the, the old magic trick that yeah. gets kids all the time. Um, all right, okay. So what? What? One of my least favorite parts of this whole season. She feeds the finger to the guy. She, she feed. 
cut, she bites his finger off and then feeds it to him and makes him swallow it. Unnecessary, yeah. I, I, I didn't get a sense of whether she killed him or not, to be honest. Like, the other guy definitely died. I think this guy, you wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't bleed to death from having a finger cut off, or at least, at least very, very slowly. So I, I, maybe he's alive still? Um, I mean, they kill, well, like, literally everyone else, so there's no reason to assume they left this guy alive. Yeah, is that all they did to him though? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't think it shows. Stamped on him or something. Yeah, I, maybe she, maybe I just missed it. But um, it, yeah, it seemed it seemed like she spent a lot more time taking pleasure in this guy's uh, discomfort than all the others who they just shot with P90s. Well, if he does survive, he he needs to uh, not not take my brother's uh, advice because my brother lost the tip of his finger in the gym. Um, he was uh, this is my younger brother. He was he was in the gym. His mate was on like one of the machines, and he leant on the machine to talk to him. And then, <laughs> oh, and no. then the weight the weights came down and took his finger off. Oh, that's pick, just... his pink, pinky fingertip. And then uh, he uh, went to the hospital, and they were like, "No, no, no! Uh, this is the wrong hospital. You need to go to a different one. They've got the 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 A and E correct. You know the correct A and E for for what you need." And he was like, oh, "I can't bother going tonight." So he went home. <laughs> Put the finger like in his wardrobe on, on his chest of drawers, just like left it there, went to sleep with like bandages all over his finger, took the finger to the hospital in the morning and they were like, we can't do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not how you preserve pieces of body. I'll say that right now. The funny thing is, his, uh, his, his pinky fingers were so oversized that one hand now just looks normal and the other one's still got his really long pinky <laughs> finger. <laughs> That's disgusting and great. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great way time... to correct your finger length. Yeah, next time you see my brother, you'll have to get him to put his pinkies together for you to oh, show you the difference in the size. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, Hector wakes up. Uh, he's, he doesn't like this fella who was yep. just having a go with him. Great so... kill. Great kill here with a knife through the chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Um, and Sylvester now has a little moment, we'll say, with the snake lady. Um you know, I wouldn't say I'm jealous, but uh, but he's he he's, he doesn't seem to be appreciating it. Having said that, she is terrifying as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this entire situation is very scary. And uh, yeah. if Sylvester hadn't considered that maybe he shouldn't bring Maeve back to life before, <laughs> I think he's certainly realizing his mistake now. Yeah, I guess imagine it would be like like she didn't have a body. Yeah. What <laughs> What did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like when you uh, and like accidentally I don't know you put when when you're doing like the self checkout at like Tesco and you've got like two croissants in a bag and you put in one by mistake and it's just yeah. like oh, am I gonna get caught for this <laughs> and like what's gonna what's gonna happen it's like it's like thirty p worth of crime like it's it's uh, you're not you're not gonna get in trouble for it but in the back of your head you're just like she they're gonna get me they're gonna get me for, <laughs> for this one <laughs> there was one time I was in Tesco at the self checkout and I had like a this is back when I used to drink energy drinks. I used to drink them quite a lot. I haven't drank them in a few years now, but um, I, I had like a four pack of Monster and I and I scanned through the thing, but it accidentally scanned only one can Yeah. out of out of the four. And I noticed it and I was like, oh God, uh, sorry. And I got the person and I and I fixed it, right? And then I went out and I was with my friend and when I got out, out, out of the shop, he went, oh my God, you never guess. It scanned one can. He had them too. He bought the four pack as well. He's like, it scanned one can. I got one, four for the price of one. It's unbelievable. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, maybe I should have just well, not yeah, said yeah. You, were, you were the William and he was the Logan in that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I've turned into what I am now because of it. Yep. It, 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 it's, it was in my brain the whole time. <laughs> okay, now we get the reveal, uh, as you said, that it's all been sort of... Um, 
Oh, so uh, who's uh, so they get they get the tablet and uh, this 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 spectre the whole time in Maeve's code that someone has been working on it. Now we can just talk about it now. It's revealed basically that someone had pre like designed what she's been doing this whole season. Basically, yeah. it seems that way. Yeah, and it's uh, got to be someone who can write code for these robots. So I mean, my mind immediately was like, well, it's either going to be Bernard or it's going to be Ford. It's got to be one of those two. Well, they they mentioned Arnold, um, mm. but could maybe it's maybe I I I honestly thought Ford as well to be honest with you because um, Ford is uh, is the one sort of orchestrating the whole thing at the end of this. Yeah, I mean, know, based show. on the way this this episode ends, where he's like kind of the Nero style figure who uh, you know basically orchestrates the destruction of the of the park. It, it's not a, a it's not a stretch to assume that he would also orchestrate a, a more subtle kind of breakout um, for 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 some people on the on the DL. Um, so that mm-hmm. was my that was my thinking. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay, so the reveal is coming. Yes, Delor- Dolores says that William's going to come for her, and then the man in black gives a lovely little smile. Yeah, lovely little smile. Um, now. We've said before about how TV shows love to sort of drip feed you information about a reveal all the way up to the point where just before the reveal, they're basically saying, this is it! Because we all know we love the feeling of feeling like we got something right. Yes, absolutely. at the start of this story, most people probably already had it together, right? I remember when I first watched this, I, I can't remember when I put it together, but I remember when he started smiling like this and she said, William, I remember both both Ema and I were like oh my god it is him we were right you know but I can't remember when we put it together but this was the moment where we were like here it is you know yeah, yeah. and I, and I think like the, it's a, there's a very like smart kind of shift in the narrative structure here where when it goes into backstory but with the man in black doing the voiceover of William's story uh, implying yeah. that he was a character in that story to be able to tell it, it it's a pretty it's a pretty clear shift in like narrative structure and it is very much kind of leading you by the hands to that revelation in a in a way that still lets you feel satisfied when you you get it before they explicitly say it yeah i think at this point if, if no one had if you did still didn't have a clue who who this guy was i think starting this story it's either going to be at this point it's narrowed down 100% down to either Logan or William uh, yeah, at this yeah, point so. by the by the end of the story obviously it's obviously William uh, but cuz I, I even noticed like, I don't know what happens with Logan at the end of this story I'm going to be honest like that's something we need to talk about well he was sent out on a horse naked at the edge of the park with a black feather always... which I don't understand either I don't know maybe that's a calling sign for the Arikura or something I don't know I I was just like if we never going to see Logan again? Is this seriously like how he goes? He's just like <laughs> sent out into the wilderness naked on a horse in in, in Native American in, in sort of yeah a violent Native American tribes country, and that's the end of Logan. <laughs> well, um, I think there's a little hints. There's a little hints in what William's dialogue is here is because he's saying he's saying like you know uh, I'm you know out you know I'm going to make the company you know do this or whatever, and mm. and uh, Logan's like. My company, my company, and then he's like, "Well, you know, they're never going to trust a madman." Yeah. So maybe it's sort of implying that he's gonna, he's like sending him out with no clothes, no food, anything. You know, he's like maybe trying to drive him mad. You know oh, okay. I mean? Yeah, I, I thought I, I was like, when when I first saw this, I was like, "Why is Logan naked now?" And then, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess because I, I was thinking maybe it was just to humiliate him. But I guess maybe yeah, he's trying to, you know, get give him 
heat stroke and get him like half killed in the in the in the wilderness or something uh which i feel like they probably have protections against surely <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah they'd have um, some drones on the edge of the park be like probably let's not let the host starve or, or die of um uh, die of uh oh, what's it called when you're of, of thirst rather I, I couldn't remember the word for dying of water starvation yeah. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um uh, at the edge of the park but uh yeah it, i mean it's a good it's a very natural end to their stories i just would have expected williams to culminate in him actually killing logan rather than this sort of slightly more uh ambiguous ending for them well there is a second season and also w- mm, william w- william william killing logan how on earth he would he get to the point where he's like this philanthropist head of the company you know yeah he, that's true they have they have cameras all over this park. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, well, if they have cameras all over this park, they're capturing him, sending him off naked into the wilderness. As well. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Listen, that's just yeah. good, clean fun. Is what they're having. <laughs> but you pull a gun on him, and now that that's a problem. Um, yeah. I, I, he does actually very soon own the park, so he probably could have killed him and then just deleted all yeah, the things. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, like Bernard does, circle around Logan on the horse and just <laughs> shade him away. <laughs> Get rid of all of that. <laughs> um th- i will point out another theory that is proven incorrect of mine oh actually i don't know i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this which is that um william kind of symbolically drops the photo of his wife here as if to suggest that that's the end of like any kind of any any real connection in their relationship um which proved a theory of mine wrong that, that he planted that photo at the abernathy ranch back in episode one or two though it is a bit if it wasn't planted, so I'm not. I'm, this isn't a criticism. It's more just an observation. If it wasn't planted, that feels awfully convenient that it finds its way back to the Abernathy Ranch, which makes me think, as as you said with the gun, maybe someone else is planting that uh, back at the ranch to kind of kick things off. Mm, I don't know, Conrad. I think looking back at the past and thinking that things being convenient is a, a, a points to them not being true is is a dangerous game to play. I th- I think that. When things have a low likelihood of happening, when you look back at them, they're always going to seem unlikely. Uh, and, and, you know, like human life, for example. Let's look back at it. Let's look back at human life, Conrad. What's the chances of life actually coming about? Very, very <laughs> small. But that doesn't mean that we aren't living in the world where that li- small likelihood actually happened. That, what, a, what a beautiful sentiment that is. <laughs> if that photo didn't get there, then the story of this show wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have existed. Just like if, if if humans didn't actually very unlikely come to be, we wouldn't be pondering the question. So that's you know that's sort of where we are today. You know? that's, that's chaos theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's OS world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so actually, you you kind of got a theory right, but it wasn't really a theory. Because you you were showing actually how much you actually are understanding and keeping up with the show. Because in the last episode, I think we were talking about if Dolores was killed or whatever, or you know, and you said, well, if she's killed, she'll just end up back where she was on the farm. You know, she'll just end up back on a normal thing. Mm. And that's literally what happened. Like, you know, why is William such an idiot? Like, yeah. she, she left. Of course she's going to eventually end up back on her loop. You know, because I think we were talking about her because she got stabbed or shot or whatever it was she gets like stabbed in the gut by yeah stabbed by logan yeah yeah. and and it's just like she's not gonna survive that so she clearly just died in the forest or whatever and then then she just as you're right she just like ended up back here now that wasn't technically a theory but maybe that could be a retrospective well we'll we'll, we'll see how the scoring's going because i'll i'll a little sneak peek uh it's not looking great for season one so far for me (laughs) um i i do love this bit though where william turns up 
I could see some less charitable souls being like, this is a bit on the nose, because William turns up looking like fucking Luke in Return of the Jedi, wearing like all black with a black hat now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I get it. I see the shift that this character has gone through. But I actually enjoyed it. Um and I and I really, really enjoyed having having seen earlier in this episode Dolores thirty years later. Sh- showing that she still has affection for William she still believes he is coming to save her um, and she still has faith in that relationship to see William on the other side of this see her go through what is a very kind of um, what is her her scripted interactions with with other guests in the park Mm. and to kind of respond to it like a jealous lover essentially who who kind of rejects her and kind of mm. hates her for it i think um is the impression um that i get from that and, and there's a lot to be said i think about william's obsession uh with dolores dressed up as affection for her and how their different approaches to their relationship with each other is is kind of perfectly encapsulated in this episode yeah yeah no i would i would 100 agree um okay a great match cut of hats i have to say here like the match cut on the hat yeah that's some editing right there. Whoever did that, well done. Speaking about the hat, I don't. I, I, it's fine. Like it's not a problem. Like, but I don't really like that he just took his hat off a random confederado or whatever. Like, I, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feels that feels. I, I feel like he should cut. Like, I guess you couldn't do him coming back to the park and picking the black hat again. But yeah, taking this hat from a confederado feels a bit weird. If he was going to, or like whoever he took it from, I think if he was going to like get the hat from somewhere. Like, I would want it to be more meaningful than that. Yeah. What's the difference between just taking it off the ground and just getting it from Tallulah, the actress yeah. Tallulah, whatever? I mean, not, again, not to play, like, backseat, like, scriptwriter, but I think the, the of you probably couldn't have done this because sharp-eyed people would have figured it out way too soon. But if you'd have had the man in black wearing Logan's hat, that would have been really interesting and, like, had him kill Logan and then take his hat at the end of this. That could have been very cool, I think. Um, mm. But it would have, like, immediately given away that there because you would have seen it straight away yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. well you would have thought the whole time we would have thought it was logan that's true but it would have given away like the different timelines thing straight away which i feel oh, like, of course yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that wouldn't they be wanted to keep under their hat for a little while longer hey oh <laughs> uh okay so dolores turns into the terminator for a bit oh she, um god <laughs> it's a great yeah. scene <laughs> yeah i just i love I, I just uh there's a few things in my mind whenever she first like changes throws him in the church snaps his arm yeah. first thing is hosier take me to church like okay. i was like as soon as she threw him in right, or, yeah, take him to church you know like <laughs> starts beating the crap also she's just dragging him in harris's face like <laughs> yeah it's it amazing down. like oh yeah we're talking about terminator yeah when she started beating the shit out of him i was just like dun, 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 dun. it's happening <laughs> like the, the robot the skynet has gained self-awareness um now listen i'm not a doctor i'm happy to admit that <laughs> I have never seen a compound fracture to the arm no sold the way the man in black no sells his compound <laughs> fracture to the arm. Like, he... That is a nasty break that he gets here. And within maybe... Maybe, like, two hours? Two or three hours of this event, he's sipping cocktails <laughs> like, and having a wonderful time. I, if that happened to me, I would just curl up in a ball for two weeks until a doctor came and saved me. 
I wonder um, if this is a hint to the to the world. Maybe there's some sort of like injections to. It could to heal be. Him. Like, it reminds me of uh, in Starship Troopers, uh, Drill Sergeant Zims uh, breaks someone's arm in a similar way, and then later on in the day, they've got this like kind of tube full of blue liquid on their arm, which is oh, clearly yeah. just a cheap way of being like, I don't know, where's like a future cast, and and <laughs> and, and and maybe that's what they've got in this. They've got like the Starship Troopers blue liquid that fixes compound fractures somehow. <laughs> Yeah, that will, of course. Um, okay, so Teddy comes to the rescue because basically oh. in, in the in the struggle, Dolores gets stabbed by the man in black, yeah. and then Teddy fulfills his not so predetermined destiny. Yeah. He actually comes and uh, saves the day and rescues her from the from the bad guy. Yeah. I thought I thought this callback to sort of his his original uh, sort of storyline, like what he was portrayed to be was great here. yeah I, I think there's a couple of really genuine touching moments in this episode or, or touching storylines the arnold and dolores stuff is fantastic there's some great touching moments between them which we'll probably go back through when we actually get to the end of that and this kind of teddy finally getting to be the hero in his story with mm-hmm. dolores even if it ends tragically is really really beautiful i think and and you know there's a lot of catharsis in this episode uh, dolores gets the catharsis when she beats the shit out of the man in black teddy gets to be the hero of the story it, it, there's just some great great moments in this episode and this is this is right up there with them i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely um but you know who you know who's who's back online <laughs> who's that bernie barnold is back online barnold's back <laughs> barnold. <laughs> he did tell us he'll be back and so, he is can can Maeve just tell who's a host by eyeballing them, or did I miss something? <laughs> well, do you remember? No, do you remember she? Uh, yeah, well, it seems that she can. She can probably read like the system. But she also was talking to. She's actually what made this Bernard, uh, this version of Bernard, like since he was reset by Ford, go down the road. Remember in last episode? Oh yeah, that's um, true. That is true. Yeah, so I've forgotten that she has interacted with him. But it's just funny, like her looking at Felix and be like, "Don't worry, you're not one." <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> All right, we're just to trust you, are we? Also, again, not a doctor, but I don't think a bullet in the head can be fixed with the magical cauterizing tool. (laughs) Which, this little little wand that they have is like a proper Doctor Who style thing, which is like, I don't know, we just wave it at the area and it'll figure itself out it'll this, this it laser this laser technology they've got is ridiculous oh. like it also it also does tattoos yeah it does, like, what, they, yeah does whatever you need it to do it can you know it can x-ray people it can remove bullets somehow it's all it's it, it's all singing all dancing yeah and then we get the in the next scene so obviously you know bernard's back um and it will be back to that very very soon but uh we we get the the classic tv reveal thing where we finally know that the man in black is william and then, of course, a character we've seen him converse with before comes yep. up and calls him William immediately. Yep. Says the name. It's just like, oh, that, that's interesting that you haven't said that until we, the audience, know it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I definitely stood out to me <laughs> as well. It's kind of, uh, kind of silly, but uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, this is, I guess, as you've had the match cut on the hats, you've had the man in black voiceover, you've had the 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 fight between Dolores and Man in Black. This is kind of like get that last horse across the finish line. <laughs> like, like, we need to just make sure that everyone's on board with who this person is. Yep, yep, exactly. Right, okay. We're here. We're mm. at the end of the story. I th- anything that happens past this point for me is kind of like, uh, like is like sort of like a post-game, right? So yep. basically, Teddy and Dolores get to the beach... They have a loving moment together, and then 
they freeze, a spotlight hits them, yeah. and they're actually there's an audience there. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I didn't call the audience, but I'm gonna say as soon as the scene started and the moon is incredibly massive and low in the sea, I said to my partner. That's a Truman Show ass moon if I've ever seen one. <laughs> like that's like that's like a wall that's actually got a spotlight in it or something like that. Um, and so I'll talk about the actual the scene within a scene here first. I think I think it's impressive that they managed to give weight, emotional weight, to the scene with Dolores and Teddy. Given they have both died multiple times, it's hard to cut through all that context to actually get mm-hmm. any kind of real sentimentality out of the scene and I think it's testament to the actors, uh, the actor and actress in this scene that they managed to capture something in that because it is it is genuinely touching despite the fact that we know that you know they, they've not necessarily been through this exact thing multiple times but they've been through mm-hmm. stuff similar to this multiple times um, and then it's so I feel like Teddy kind of ruins this moment <laughs> Because like Dolores is talking about this like this beautiful trap inside of us, this kind of you know seeking seeking some greater meaning, and then she dies, yeah. and Teddy emits a really funny just like no, <laughs> like <laughs> she dies, and it's great. And then there's the pullback and reveal of the audience who applaud like they're applauding actors, which is really weird in and of itself. I guess maybe they're applauding yeah. Ford more than they're applauding the hosts, but still. Yeah, Ford comes out as like my new narrative. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's it's great. Um, okay, so there's, there's obviously quite a bit happens with this party and the new narrative later on. But mm. before we get there, I thought we would sort of at this point rather we'll sort of take a little divergent uh, step away from the 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 chronolo- chronology of this a bit. Let's talk about the Mave sort of ending to this season now. Yeah. Okay. So we've we've got Hector um, with machine gun. With one arm, he's just using one arm, no recoil. Yeah. He's, just, he's just like really, really and strong. I, I, I mean, I'm glad that they did. But I, when they, when he picks it up, I was like, "Are you going to understand how to use an automatic weapon?" But I guess they're probably <laughs> met, they've coded them to know karate, so like they probably can code them to understand automatic weapons as well. Despite yeah, it's how like we we, we talk about like that matrix thing, you know, they download it into their yeah. brain. Um. Okay, so they're they're sort of like making their escape, and then they come across an area. Yes. Which is maybe very exciting. pretty interesting. Very. What do you excited. think about? So I, I've got I've got a I've got a, th- a theory that I think the next season is going to feature some Sengoku samurai stuff based on the area they find, and I'm very excited because I like samurai things uh, a whole lot. Um, it, it's it, yeah, it, it seems like this is obviously work to create either a new narrative or a new park or something like that. Um, but it's just a great little. A great little kind of cameo for what uh, or, or suggestion of what the next season is going to look like, which made me really excited. Yeah, and Maeve says to Felix, "You know, what's this?" He's like, "It's complicated." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meaning Felix doesn't know. Like he's not. An edu- he's, <laughs> yeah. not he's not an educated man. Like I don't know about you, but like the. the- like this Eastern Asian man, whenever like it revealed the samurai, it went to his face and he was like really awkward looking. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is a strange choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, it's it, this. Yeah, this this little moment is um is very cool, but it, I feel like it's kind of just a little throwaway for next season that we'll probably return to. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um. Yeah. Sort of hinting that there's more to be done. Mm. Uh. Right, okay, so uh, Maeve gives Hector a kiss. Yep. Says sayonara. Um, <laughs> Does she actually say sayonara? I can't remember. No, no, but that, that was very much intended. That would be great. Um, 
There's also and a very, then, uh, just as a kind of another like East Asian reference, there's a moment where, um, but when Snake Lady gets left behind in this bit, mm. um, they they each get their moment to be like, you go on ahead and, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, save the day. Um, and uh, Snake Lady drops someone and actually, no, it might be Hector who does it, drops someone and then like without looking, shoots them when they're on the ground, which is a very oh, like yeah, John yeah. Woo movie kind of thing to do. And I was like, okay, you've done, you've done your research. You've done your research for this stuff and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And the, the blood on the glass in the background as well. Yeah. Um, okay, we get a couple of, like, sort of, as you say, you go ahead. So the you go ahead moment is she gives Hector a kiss. And then uh, she also has that moment with Felix as well, mm. where she calls Felix a terrible human being uh, in a in the nicest way possible. Um, and then she goes on and gets on the train. Um, yes. So I'm sort of cro- crossing. Sorry, sorry. You go ahead. Well, it's okay. I've got two thoughts here. One, one I think is is wrong, but it was what I was thinking while I was while this was going on. So we know that this is like pre-scripted or, or has been coded to happen by someone. Yeah. And the fact that there are so many fucking red shirts just running towards these guys and getting shot in this scene, I was like, there's no way that someone coded this to to involve killing this many humans. So my my first thought was like, are these all hosts as well that they're killing? Because uh it it felt like the human cost was too high for it to be for this bit to be predetermined that could be completely wrong but that was that was my first thought uh my second was actually it it starts back in the scene where they wake up uh wake up barnold for the first time where um (laughs) oh well for the second time i guess um where Maeve asks to be stripped of her memories of her daughter and it's a nice parallel between her and bernard where they both want to kind of let go of painful memories of children mm-hmm. in order to kind of forge new identities. Um, and then it's weird because Maeve then, when she gets on the train later, and actually in the in the elevator with, uh, with Felix, there's this implication that she does want to go and find her daughter. And it didn't necessarily... It felt inconsistent to me. I think maybe they were going for she herself is conflicted over whether she actually wants mm. to go and get um, get this 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 her daughter back or not. But to me, it felt like going from I want to remove any memory of this person to I want to go and find them were too extreme. I, I feel like they they needed to kind of bring those ideas closer together to really capture the 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 conflict inside Maeve. But I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Whether that whether this is all still her operating along a path and where that path is going to lead her yeah i think that's a good point um i i took it that um whoever gave her this predetermined path wanted her to uh leave the park i think part Mm. of this maybe even part of ford's new narrative is to have the uh, one of the hosts leave the park as well um, and therefore, I think this little creeping thing in her to want to save her daughter is actually the part in her that is, is gaining consciousness. So at the end, whenever Ford's having her, his uh, his speech and he says, like, you know, to pe- they can choose what they want to do or whatever, mm. and she gets off the train and walks out, I think that that is her going against what is predetermined. I think that's the first moment that happens. In terms of the uh, the human cost, I've, I've got quite an interesting idea about that. Um so basically, Arnold, we find out in this episode, um, and this sort of covers a couple of things, so we're actually, we can cover a few things with this, but Arnold finds out this episode that um, Dolores is alive, according to him, and yeah. she has consciousness now. And he decides that it is, it is integral then not to open the park. She's yeah. alive, and his, his, his option is almost, she's alive, for, so therefore they, she shouldn't exist. 
kind of not really but he's sort of saying like you know we'll keep a lid on this we'll we'll not open the park we'll keep this contained we'll not maybe even not even make any more because he 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 was he didn't like the fact that he has sort of made her uh live forever and have eternal eternal suffering that's why to him it was worth being killed uh Mm. to make this stop because in his mind uh you know he is now doomed all of these robots to sentience and consciousness and suffering forever um so that made sense to me but ford interestingly at the end of this se- at the end of the season has come to arnold's way of thinking in terms of thinking that they do actually have consciousness mm. but his solution is not to put a lid on it to stop making them his solution is well let's let them try and take over them yeah you know what i mean yeah that they have they have um so it's interesting that there is uh later on in this episode than where we kind of are ford um in one of his in one of his great fordisms he quoted mary shelley frankenstein before um not under or maybe understanding the irony of that but i mean you know it's, it's not a great thing to to quote when you are yourself the mad the mad doctor to some extent and then in this episode he quotes oppenheimer the guy who worked on the one of the guys who works on the manhattan project um and it's interesting that ford quotes oppenheimer when it is probably Arnold who more encapsulated how Oppenheimer felt, you know, I've become Death Destroyer of Worlds, like this realisation that what you have created is so awful that you almost can't live with yourself uh, for having for having done it. Um, and I feel like that's that's kind of how Oppenheimer felt and, and Ford quoting him I think suggests that he understands by the end of this season how Arnold felt, which is why he's kind of happy to go out the way he goes out but as you say i think his his approach is that well it's done now you can't put you know you can't can't put the toothpaste back in the tube you know the 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 atom bomb was created we we lived in a nuclear age like that happened can't go back to it and this is a similar Mm -hmm. situation where it's like listen we've created sentient life it would be more monstrous to kill every host and and get rid of this life that we've created than it would be to now allow them to live as as they wish to live and it's a really interesting ethical question i really don't know which side of that i fall down on um and and i will say for ford in this episode for someone who at times has been quite um quite like machiavellian and arch like he's almost like kind of a a mustache twirling villain at times in this season Mm -hmm. they really do a great job of kind of putting a bow on his on his storyline and changing the way you perceive him as they have done like multiple times throughout um throughout this uh uh, this season to be fair They've, they've they've changed how i perceived him a lot of times um but yeah, I, I I love I love how they how they kind of wrap up both Arnold and Ford's storylines in this episode. It's so it's so good. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, it is it is great. And we'll talk a bit more about like Ford's speech and stuff. But in terms of the Arnold, I think I think we are you are right there as well. Like the idea that Arnold wants to destroy it all, and he did actually make make uh, Dolores kill all the hosts as well. Yeah. I think his I think he felt kill all the hosts, have her kill me, and then she can kill herself. And then when they see I'm dead, they'll never bring them all back online again. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's what he felt. And it is interesting to see Ford, like he actually ended up in a way being more of an ally to the host than Arnold was. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. Well, I, and again, I think, you know, they're different sides of the same coin. I think they're, mm. they do actually want to help the hosts. Um, but in Arnold's case, he thinks helping them is not subjecting them to a lifetime of 
of suffering uh, or in their case yeah. an eternity effectively of suffering um and um it, in a way i think actually when i when i kind of reflect on that that stance we've often criticized ford as a character for kind of playing god and like lording it over the host and i definitely think he has done that through this season but i think in a way that like taking on the power of life and death and saying no your life is going to be is going to involve too much suffering i'm not going to let you live because i don't want to inflict that on you is more playing god than saying i've created life off you go do what you do what you want to do um and it's but it's a it is a fantastic uh, fantastically explored uh idea in uh, both in, in this season and this episode yeah yeah it's really cool um okay so ramping up into the end now we have a, a, nice, a nice little last moment between ford and um arnold mm. barnold i should say barnold, yeah. um uh and it slipped even though i'm allowed to now um <laughs> so where it's funny because bernard like has these moments sometimes where he thinks he's figured it out you know mm. so he's like he, he comes and he says he's like he's basically saying to ford like i think you're mistaken like you i think you're wrong here yeah and ford's just like uh no my friend it actually was me in control not arnold uh it was me um yeah and then in a nice little touching moment a sort of a little hint as well maybe where arnold's uh barnold's character's going <laughs> is um is he gives him the, he gives him the toy as well? Yeah. So he's sort of he's trying to encourage him to sort of seek consciousness himself. Yeah. That was know? a moment where I freaked out and I, I've got in all caps in my notes. Holy shit! The maze actually was one of those toys. You've ruined the joke. Yeah. Ruined the joke. <laughs> Thanks for. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, okay, before the very last scene, now we have uh, the moment where Dolores realizes. Now you kind of put this together before you even knew what you were putting together the voice within her head was her own uh yeah. and that what that is to me the key center of the maze the key center to finding consciousness is realizing that you're telling yourself to do what you should be doing you know yeah yeah i think it's it's having and, and it's interesting like it's really cool how they layer the storylines on top of each other here so you have dolores realizing the voice in her head is her own but i think throughout throughout the uh, just as a, an aside for that i think throughout the show they have had multiple voices speaking to her so they've had oh, yeah. arnold bernard they've had ford at times kind of speaking in there as well and i but i love the way it kind of cuts through all that to be like oh no it is it is an inner voice that she actually has yeah. developed here and she is simply hearing the voices of people that she thinks will be telling her what to do but it's actually her own and and i love how they layer even though it's kind of an aside and doesn't really mean anything at this point um but but she is kind of like dolores is kind of wyatt at this point as well like as much as that mm. wyatt storyline doesn't really matter doesn't really matter but uh, wyatt has been like kind of presented throughout this season as like the master of a broader narrative and it turns out that wyatt as a character is completely fit completely fictitious but at the same time what this idea of wyatt is kind of encapsulated in dolores's self-actualization it, like she is the master of her own story in the same way that i guess i don't know if i can say the same for teddy by the end of this this season but he he has gone on a similar journey and i'd i'd, I'd hope he has had that same kind of sense of self-realization as as mave has had um but it's just this really clever kind of like layering of the of the 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 kind of lower level kind of basic storylines on top of like the, the 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 broader thematic discussions and it works so well yeah you know no and i do agree and i and i i personally myself i'm waiting for you to say that i didn't want to say anything but i personally myself very much took it that like dolores is the wyatt that they were waiting to awake you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. she now by for all intents and purposes is like the leader of this 
of this group and i think uh, like all these like sort of hosts uprising and i I think at the very end like there are some points we could talk about in the finale if you want to Mm. but at the very end there's a big difference between the two killings that she does yeah when she kills arnold she kills herself when she kills arnold uh, kills ford she starts killing everyone else Uh, and it's like it's like no she has awoken she's back and she's not going anywhere this time you know yeah yeah i i think i think um that there there are similarities obviously they both both ford and arnold allow themselves to be killed as a as an aside i I was when I was watching the Arnold speech. I was reminded of um of uh, Bilbo Baggins's speech. The, the Ford in, speech. In, in, um. Uh, yeah. Sorry. The Ford. Uh, the Ford speech. Yeah, you thought he was uh, going to put the ring on? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm going now. I won't imagine I won't see you for some time. And he puts the ring on and disappears. Like I was very yeah. much reminded of that speech. And in a way, he does disappear, but into the afterlife yeah. because because uh, 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 Dolores shoots him in the back of the head. But it. But as you say, it's. <laughs> When 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 Dolores shoots uh, Arnold, she does it as a tenderness and a reluctance to do it. It, it. She's closer to him. It's not um, it's not kind of done as maliciously. Whereas well, she was, doctor- she also was told to do it this yeah, time. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas with Dolores, it's much more like execution style, pointed at the back of his head. Uh, I, I think she's still kind of been instructed to do it or, or not instructed to but manipulated yeah Ford, Ford has kind of set the table for this to happen and knows that he is going to die as a result of it but yeah. but there's a lot more malice towards him in in the action and as you say she then begins icing everyone else um, and, and there's there's one character out of all the characters in this and it's a character I've given a hard time before that I have to draw attention to and it is that scumbag bandit who when Dolores starts shooting people it cuts to him and he has this rice the smile on his face where he's just like about time <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Like, it's such a great little shot because it's just it, like he's he's just a worthless character who's had no development and i love the fact that he's the guy that they show at this point but it's actually funny because it's a little bit of a setup to why also he would love the humans getting killled because he was just like used as like a william as a target Tell. yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And teddy like that that bit was one of the I, I don't know why it struck me as much as it did but that bit with like Teddy kind of you know showing off his gunslinger skills to the to the board members and then like you know shooting him in the arm and stuff it was just like really horrific it, it, it was it really struck me as just like the, the, these are just playthings to these people and uh, you know coming at this coming at this scene as we do knowing that uh, that they have awoken uh, it makes it really hard to watch um, and there is there is a great this the show hasn't really done it to this point to my knowledge um but right at the beginning when teddy kind of like rejects his loop and gets on the train and like sets off on his journey to arrive where he does uh, where he is now he sees like a wolf running across um the town where the massacre happened um in in, in yeah. um flashback and then there's a brilliant moment where the tension is building throughout ford's speech uh in, in this scene um and you've got cuts to like the woods the darkness around sweetwater or wherever it is they are um and you've got um the man in black kind of looking out uh his arm's absolutely fine at this point he's, he's drinking and smoking and having a great time um and then you hear a wolf howling and it's just like this great little moment this this great little like audio cue of like oh shit something's gonna go down here guys 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's sort of like the end of the show as well. Like mm. you end with end with the man in black seeing these people coming, and it's his face. He's just got a smile. He's like, "Yes, this is what I want," yeah. you know. And then he gets shot um, in the arm, and he seems less happy about. <laughs> about. Yeah, he's like, he's like, it's real, it's real. Yeah. Um, and then the the last, the very last thing we see is um Dolores shooting everyone, as I said, and mm. she sort of this is now serious business. This is this is uh season two, so. There's the end of episode, uh, season one, episode 10. Yeah. Conrad, you want to get into the roundup? Let's do it. Okay, so this episode got on IMDb 9.7. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's a, it's hard. It's always hard with the end of a season because you get the, you get the, the culmination of all the thing, all the questions that you've had, all the, all the plot lines you've been following. So it's naturally going to be that going to be satisfying although actually having said that sometimes you know if they fail to stick the landing it makes the mm-hmm. disappointment all all the more palpable but i think all told i think this is probably the best episode in terms of the pace it moves at what we see um unfold on the screen uh, how we see uh, the catharsis for characters like teddy and dolores um and the kind of emotional relationships between arnold and dolores and teddy and dolores it, there's a there's a lot of great stuff in here and even felix and sylvester's dumbass storyline couldn't ruin it for me <laughs> yeah 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 it was good it was great right okay so the last thing we'll do then is we'll get into a couple of questions okay and then re- remember guys next week is the is we're going to go through the theory matrix so uh first one uh, Brent from the middleman says, "Is is playing with the timeline a cheap trick or a tech legit technique for fooling the audience?" The more I think about it, the more I think it's a cheap trick. But I still love season one. Thanks, gents. Um, I don't know if I go so far as to call it a cheap trick. I think it's it's there's different ways to do it. Um, I, I think when you're when your show is as well written, and you know, I, 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 I always hate to go back to it, but it is the first show we ever did in this podcast, and it's and it kind of you know the high watermark for for timeline stuff. Um, when your show is as well written as Dark, it doesn't need to conceal its different timelines. You know, it can be like, ah, oh, this is in the this is in the twenties, this is in the fifties, this is in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. It's quite comfortable to say this is a different timeline because it's confident in the writing around its characters and events to keep things interesting and keep them compelling and and, and maintain its mysteries that way. With this, I think this is not a badly written show. There are moments in this show that are really, really well written, but there are moments and characters that aren't that well written, and I, I think they just don't have the chops to pull off confidently saying this is this timeline, this is this timeline, and this is this timeline, and letting the, the the mystery kind of sit within the actual action of that timeline itself. So I kind of know what you're talking about in in the sense that. the 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 kind of the mystery is just oh this is a different timeline and there's literally no way that we could possibly have known that without figuring out which characters are which because uh because there's no distinguishing features between them really until Mm. until you start seeing characters that you know uh but but i think it still works in the purposes of this i i I still i I, it's it's just that the the sort of timeline reveal isn't as big of a deal as 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 it would have been in another show yeah, exactly. And we did mention as well, like, there is some, you know, reports that this this is a show that was saved in the edit. And I think the way, I've, the way I view that, maybe I'm wrong, but the way I view that is, like, the way the reveals and stuff are done 
like I mean, obviously the the double timeline was already always planned, but the way it reminds you constantly what's happening and sort of drip feeds you the story coming to coming to uh, fruition. Mm. And like the I like I I, imag- I imagine when they first wrote the script, it was like like the editors read, read it and then looked at the the footage and it was like, I'm William or whatever, and it's just like what this has come out of nowhere yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know you know so i'd imagine there's like quite a lot of uh and even i think probably like the the journey to consciousness is probably the thing that was worked on by the editors the most because that is a real i don't even know how you would script that to to be honest with you the mm-hmm. way it's so dynamic so many different shots so many the memory the way it's portrayed it seems like impossible to even start writing and the only way i can view it is that the that it was like a real collaboration to get it to be successful like it was you know yeah yeah and I, I definitely like coming at this now as someone who's seen the first season i definitely see what you mean about the editing not necessarily that it's that it saved the show because I, I don't know I, I don't know that much yeah. about that story but the editing is definitely notable in the way that they cut around uh different time different timelines and uh it cut together things that kind of thematically work with each other um it, it is very striking yeah okay two more questions first one from uh vic disco glad you enjoyed the first season conrad question for you when ford said to the the man in black this game wasn't meant for you it was meant for them do you believe him or was this game really meant for william i i no, i don't think it was i think i do believe him i i I think william is fundamentally self-centered uh Mm. i think i think we've seen that in his his approach to his relationship with dolores um and and to some extent his his relationship with Logan you know he, he Logan is a piece of shit i don't think there's any denying that but william is still still has a relationship with him you know like and I, and i think there's probably some part of logan that enjoys the fact uh, some part of william that enjoys the fact that he can sit next to logan and be confident in himself that he is a better person than logan i think that's why that relationship exists or at least part of the reason why it exists um and with Dolores, his relationship with her is informed entirely by how she makes him feel. So I think his his uh, imp- his his ideas about the maze and this path of path to consciousness is that it's about him. It's about uh, like his journey to try and free the host. And I think the reality is is that he doesn't actually know anywhere near as much about it as he thought he did, and isn't all that important to it? Uh, you know, he, th- this. If if the man in black didn't exist, I'm sure Ford would have found a way to end this season the way he ended it anyway. Like William really has no part to play in it, but he thinks he's a major character. That's that's kind of how I view mm-hmm. him. Okay, uh, no problem. Okay, so uh, last question. Bill Ross says, "What do you guys think of the viability of Shogun World? I think it cer- <laughs> takes a certain level of crazy to want to go up against a samurai." Do the katanas turn to rubber if the guest misses a parry? Yeah, or... I, I'm really yeah. interested to see how that works. <laughs> they're, just, yeah. they're like they're like the old um, you know, the, uh, what they call they're like those sticks that have like a string that pulls through. When you pull them, they go tight, and then you let the string go. Oh, they're like the ones, and they just go floppy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work, but I, I suppose viability is an interesting question because I have I have thoughts about the viability of westworld to be honest it's one of those things where it's just like well how do these guns work they put holes in hosts but they don't put holes in people like what, what, what how does this yeah how does this function um but it's, it's one of those things where you just have to not think about it too hard i think um i i, I personally sorry sorry Connor, i I, per- I personally think there's been, it's been quite confusing the viability of westworld this whole time we've been told 
by multiple characters that they need to get their act together, that the park is failing or whatever. But then we've also got like William, the man in black, saying in this episode to Dolores that business is booming. It's all over the place, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that the idea that the park is failing is kind of just tossed out there as a kind of basis for the board animosity towards ford um it's not very well explored and it's not very well realized in what you actually see in the park but it's kind of one of those things you can forgive because it, it develops to more interesting things um but uh but yeah the actual like mechanics of how the park work are a bit all over the place and i just don't question them it's fine like guns work against the hosts they don't work against people so i guess swords maybe they equip everyone with chain mail before they go in (laughs) you're gonna have to like yeah like those like diving suits that people wear to protect them from shark bites that's what you have to (laughs) you have to wear before you go into east world or whatever they're gonna call it um but in terms of the aesthetic and the style like i love chambara i love me some uh some samurai films um lone wolf and cub is amazing so i very much am into seeing who is in uh who is in the 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 samurai version of this and how big a part that plays because it looks awesome and it's a great setting all right awesome well thanks very much guys that's end of season one join us next week for the start of season two here on the After Life podcast. If you'd like to subscribe to the channel, we are the Culture Cave on YouTube. If you would like to subscribe on audio apps, we're the After Life podcast there. We've also got a podcast called The Best Movie Podcast Ever. Go and search that up. It's great fun. And apart from that, support the podcast with the links in the description, like the video, all that sort of stuff. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Sayonara. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.